Joseph and Mary's son. It's not who you think it is. Actually, Joseph and Mary aren't who you think it is either. We'll talk about that. And of course, the transfiguration. This is episode 778 of The Next Step, July 16th, 2023. Hi, this is Gia, welcoming you to a 16th season of The Next Step with Father Voskin, the acclaimed podcast series about spirituality through orthodoxy, brought to you by Apostle.net. Since 2008 these next steps have been taken toward and for the disenfranchised members of the church community, as well as for those searching for practical and deeper applications of faith, and for the neophyte, those who are discovering truths in ancient orthodoxy. The next step is a step, a stride, moving us forward. Here, Father Voskin provides his unique and distinctive voice for Armenian orthodoxy, as providing an intelligent and practical answer to the challenges of life, based on the solid principles of love, faith and hope as expressed by Jesus Christ. So turn up the volume and get ready to take the next step. It's one of the five, the top five. Hey, welcome to the next step. And what's that one of one out of five? Happens to be a feast day. The Armenian Church has five major feast days, and this weekend happens to be one of them. It's the Transfiguration. Yeah, we know the others. They're pretty well etched in our minds. If you go to a Sunday school, you kind of got an idea. And even if you don't, if you've been listening to The Next Step, you know that these are very popular. The two of them are very obvious, two of the feast days. One is Christmas and one is Easter, right? Uh, The other one, dedicated to St. Mary, comes in August. It is the Assumption. The other one, dedicated to the Holy Cross, it is called the Elevation or Exaltation of the Holy Cross. That's in September. Now, this one, this weekend, uh, this year, July 16th, but it, it, it falls. It's actually calculated in relation to Easter. So out of all the dates that I gave you, all the feasts that I gave you, remember that the fixed date is January 6th. That's January 6th is Christmas, is the nativity. <laughs> Up until a couple of years ago. Now, I mean, the Armenians had claimed the Armenian Christmas. Now we've got to share it with Insurrection Day. You know, the, 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 that's the, the new one for January 6th. But, it, you know, go by the, the church calendar. Go by... Um, go by the most ancient sources and you'll find January 6th. Set date. That's the day for Christmas or the nativity, what we call the nativity. Um, The other feasts are dependent on Easter and Easter fluctuates. There There is a window in which the Easter date can take place. And it has to do with the first uh, Sunday after the start of spring. It has to do with the full moon. Um, and, you know, there's different calculations because the Eastern Orthodox, they calculate another way their Easter. The Western world calculates it another way. We happen to be, the Armenian Church happens to be on the Western calendar for Easter. And this was a relatively a new uh, a relatively, actually about 100 years ago, 1923, yeah, 1923, that we uh, changed our calendar to coincide with the Western Chris, uh, Western Easter. And you probably heard that the Eastern Orthodox, they have a, um, a, a date that's off. 
sometimes they say off by a week. It's actually one year it's off by a week. Another year it's off by three weeks. Another year it's off by five five weeks. And then it comes and it coincides with the Western. So it just depends on the year and the calculation. Like I said, it has to do with the start of spring, with the first full moon after that start of springs. One of the calculations is dependent on the Hebrew Passover as well. So those calculations are done. And accordingly, whenever date the Easter is, then you know that 40 days after is assumption uh, is Ascension, 50 days after is Pentecost. And then you go through and you have all of your feasts, including this big one, which happens to be the Transfiguration. Now, this is a story that comes to us from three of the gospel evangel, the evangelists of the gospel, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, what we call the synoptic gospels. Three evangelists, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, write the gospels known as the synoptic gospels because they are in sync. You kind of like there's they're very similar in content, and most biblical scholarship will tell you that Mark was probably the first one. It is the most condensed. Matthew follows, Luke follows, and they come from different perspectives according to different audiences. And this is why I tell you sometimes that you know when people complain about cafeteria Christians, hey, don't forget the first cafeteria was the Gospels who decided, the evangelists who decided, this is the material that's going to go out. And St. John says it uh, very clearly in his Gospel. He says Jesus did many things. This is at the end of his Gospel. He says Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Um, you know, of course, a little bit of hyperbole there, but letting you know that there was a lot more to the Jesus experience than what the gospel or the evangelists have written down. And so uh, a lot of times people criticize cafeteria Christians. Um, I, I, you, we're not in that position to criticize because everything we do is the, the cafeteria in a sense. We're taking bits and pieces that make sense for our cosmology. And the church does that with authority. That's it. The church being apostolic, it, it gets its authority from the time of Christ. And so is the legitimate owner of that material, so to speak, to be able to say that this is what we believe. This is why I don't accept that phrase about non-denominational. I get so many people. This is just like a standard. I, I can't even count how many times this happens within a month. People come, oh, I go to this non-denominational Bible study. I go to this church. Oh, but they're non-denominational. No, there's no such thing as non-denominational. Everything has a denomination because everything has a certain edge. You, you, you take that and you say, this is what's important. You don't take the entire thing. Whereas the Armenian Apostolic Church has the entire, entire um, gospel intertwined with the, all the scriptures and not just part of the scriptures, not the part that the Protestant church decided would, would be the Old Testament. No, we took the entire scriptures and we have that an, an entire thing and we call it the breath of God. So, yeah, 
it's very easy to criticize and say people are cafeteria Christians, but it's very difficult to to come out without being a cafeteria Christian. Actually, it's impossible unless, of course, Jesus Christ. And um, that's where you come to the apostolic church, right? We are in touch with Jesus Christ from the beginning of time. So today I wanted to talk to you two things I'm going to be sharing with you. Uh, part two, I'm going to share with you a personal story about Joseph and Mary. I think you're going to like that one. It's something I wrote uh, quite a while ago. And it's uh, it, it's appropriate because, um, well, I'll tell you about it in, in part two. But for right now, I want to share with you about the... the um, Transfiguration, because this came to me. You know, I do my daily shows, and by the way, if you, I, I need to find out if you would do me a favor, drop me a line and say, where, tell me where do you hear the next step? Where do you hear my daily shows? Because, um, you know, we are on epostle.net. We are also on the major podcatchers, whether it's Apple Podcasts. Uh, it used to be Stitcher. Stitcher's out, unfortunately. Recently, I just heard uh, Susie, I think, told me a couple weeks ago. Um, but there is Spotify, of course, and Pandora. So these usual places that you go for podcasts, this is where we we exist. That's where the next step exists. That's where our daily messages called Armadoxy for today. That's where they exist. So um, I'd love to know where you hear them. Because I'll tell you, as we're moving Epostle in a certain direction, we need to know where those numbers are. Now, we get the usual numbers from the hosts, um, but still, we it, it would be different if I knew this is where the main thrust is. We're thinking about going over to YouTube. In fact, we are starting a brand new, brand new podcast, which actually came out this past week. But uh, I'll be announcing it this coming week. It's called The Basement Tapes with Susanna Bogosian. And she is just remarkable talking and interviewing people randomly, you would think. But actually, they they tie up and make a very nice tapestry. So you'll want to check that out. Again, epostle.net has it all. But um, today's next step, I want to talk about the transfiguration because this week as I was preparing my daily messages something just hit me this idea hit me and I need to share that with you my bigger audience and take a little bit more time in sharing that with you whereas my daily messages are what five to six minutes long you kind of have to put it all together and sometimes I have to break them up but here on the next step, I get to talk a little bit longer, kind of get the idea across. And let's start off with the transfiguration story. So this appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's the story of Jesus going up to the the um, the mountain, Tabor, Tapurler. And it says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So these three are kind of like the people that Jesus always brings with him. We see them at Gethsemane. We see them when Jesus uh, is uh, healing the young girl 
who they thought was dead, and he says, no, she's only sleeping. And these are the same three that are always with Jesus, the close inner circle, so to speak, okay? And it's uh, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he led them to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. Okay, exactly what the word means, transfigured. I know that's a big word today, trans. It means it's transformed, and it's the figure is gone. He's transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. So let's um, look at this entire story. Of course, Moses, a symbol of the law. Elijah, a symbol of the prophets. So there is the law and the prophets, which was big, big time in the Old Testament. These were the two main uh, reasons for the Old Testament's existence. They would convey the law and the prophets. And here are the two main characters. Moses, who gives us the law and the Ten Commandments and Leviticus and all the um, all the laws that are in there, not just the Ten, okay? And then there is Elijah. Elijah. He's one of the prophets and the major prophet. And uh, they're talking to Jesus and But what's happening to Jesus? He's transfigured. And what is the transfiguration about? It's about, it says, his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Now, if you, if you go back to the book of Genesis where it talks about the creation of the universe, what's the first thing God creates? Let there be light, he says. And it's interesting because he makes light before he makes anything called the sun or the stars. I think that's on the third day, if I remember right, that the sun and the stars come into play. So what is this light that he's talking about? This light is the original divine light. It's the, the God light, the Christ light. This is pure light. And so all of a sudden you see a small glimmer of Jesus's divinity at that moment. So these three mortals, Peter, James, and John. Now remember Moses and Elijah, also mortals, but they lived before. They lived hundreds of years before. So you're talking about these three witnesses to this, Peter, James, and John. They're witnessing this and they're seeing Christ shining. It's basically they're going back to the beginning of all eternity and they're seeing that light, the light of God. And he's radiating, radiating. And the voice of God is coming and saying, but before that happens, what happens there with Peter? He says, it's good that we're here. Let me build you a tent. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. 
In other words, let me take care of you guys. And that's very nice. You know, he's a very hospitable guy that he did that. But I want you to think about it for a moment. And this is what, what, this was the revelation I came up with this week. Like what? Like, wait, if you have an opportunity to see (laughs) the light from the beginning, I mean, what are the main, the, the fundamental questions everybody has in life? Or everybody at some point stumbles across and is is puzzled to answer, right? One of them is, what's my purpose in life? Before that, where did I come from, right? And the third one, where am I going? What comes after this life? These are basic fundamental questions. Where did I come from? And so anybody who sat there and looked up at the heavens, or more recently, let's talk about what's go- the phenomena that we're seeing right now, last few years, right? The images that are coming from the Webb telescope, they're just remarkable. We're looking back into time. We're looking uh, to times when, you know, the beginning, the formation of our universe. Anybody who's looked up at these images or looked up at the stars can't help but wonder, who am I right here? What am I doing here? Where did I come from? And now Jesus is showing that, hey, I'm, I'm the divine light. He's radiating this light. That is beyond the sun. It's more. And in fact, the words don't do justice for it. And we find out, well, who he is because God, there's God's voice saying, this is my beloved son, the son of God. There he is. Okay. And this is happening. And what does Peter do? Well, let me build you a tent. <laughs> Very nice, right? But consume with the worldly, consumed with what's going on at the moment. Like, I see you have some friends here. Let me build some tents. Think about it for a moment, okay? This event is happening. This this event of singularity, you know? It's like being at the ba- black hole. You're seeing this and you go, what? What is going on here? And here it is, this light. Jesus Christ is shining this light. And your whole, <laughs> the only thing you could say is, hey, let me build you a tent. means... It means you're off. Either that or it means you've missed the point. And I think that's all it is. I think that a lot of times we miss the point. Peter is is us. We miss the point of what Christianity, what Christ is all about. Something huge is happening. Jesus Christ, Son of God, manifesting and appearing with the Christ light and instead being consumed with the daily the daily stuff, the mundane, the mundane. And that's us, you know. When you look around, um, you, you take a walk. How often do you really stop and say, wow, <laughs> look at those trees. I, In fact, if I can, I, maybe I'll, what we'll do is I'll, I'll make it today's um, cover picture. <laughs> I, I just took a picture of a tree that literally is a block away from my house. And how many times do we pass by that? And uh, we walk in that area. But the other day when I took this picture, I just looked at it and I go, you you have to stand in awe. Like, how did this all come about? Is this like one seed becomes this? And how do you put this all together? There has to be something more. I think it was Aquinas who said something like, if you're walking down the beach and you find a clock, a watch, you must assume that there is a watchmaker. 
And likewise, you come across life in its complexities. You have to assume that there is a life maker, life giver. And um, how many times do we pass by beautiful flowers or nature scenes and really walk by because we're so consumed with worldly pursuits, what I'm going to do today, what I got to get done and everything, that we miss the glory of God, that we miss Jesus shining like that. How many times do we look at our children and not see the face of God there, but instead see an annoyance that how can I quickly be done with this because I need to get to my things? Uh, Jesus says it's the most tender thing right now. The children, let the children come to me. And what do we do? Uh, well, not right now. <laughs> not right now. And there are so many other examples. Uh, we, You could name a lot of them. Things that you really need to pay attention to, like about your own mortality, about your own life. And we are so consumed about uh, our retirement and what we're going to do. And, you know, rightly so. I mean, you, you can't just live without caring about the people in your life. You can do that for yourself. But if you've got dependents, you've got to be thinking about them. That's fine. But does, does it consume you? Does it um, take over? So much so that you miss the Christ light. That's what happened with Peter. And for Armenians, you know, one of the other things is this Vartavad. We have this Vartavad feast, which happens to be the pagan feast dedicated to the the goddess Oslig. Uh, Oslig means star, so it would be something like Stella, the goddess Stella. And um, it was a water feast. And today, sadly, sadly, uh, we have churches, many churches, not just a few, many churches, that their advertisement for this Sunday is come to Vartavar. We're going to have water games. We're going to have fun. We're going to soak each other. And I imagine like right now in, in California, we're going through a heat wave. Uh, temperature today is 110, I think, outside that's in Fahrenheit, of course. It'd be horrible if it was in Celsius. I guess that would be the hell marker. But no, 110 Fahrenheit. And um, yeah, I can understand. That would be a lot of fun to be soaked, to get wet. But you can't replace the transfiguration. And there's there's unfortunately a group of people that say, well, you couldn't replace Oslig's feast with transfiguration. Well, why not? <laughs> I mean, think about it for a moment. What is the water feast? Well, in, for the Christian, water is connected to your baptism. So wouldn't it be beautiful if maybe we created something that incorporated both so that on the transfiguration, we think about our rebirth. We think about how we were blessed through the baptism font. And maybe that's the day that you decide to go to the church where you were baptized. I mean, this was something not possible in the old days because you were baptized in the village that you were at and you probably lived there the rest of your life. But but for us today, I mean, you live in, in one section of the town. Uh, you were baptized in a church that was might have been in another city, might have been in another state, in another country. Imagine if we made pilgrimages to the place where we were given our second birth. 
through the font of baptism. I mean, the... the it takes a little creativity, but the different options are really limitless. But it requires us to have this faith, faith that what we're doing is the right thing, that we are following the right thing. And right now, we don't have that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be capitalizing on, you know, let's get together so we could soak each other. I think we should soak each other. I think on days like this, we should. But that's not what this feast is all about. Focus in on what this is. This goes back to uh, basic church for me, from uh, Church 101, from my earliest days as a priest. I used to argue that. And, And thankfully, at my last parish, we finally won that argument. That if we're going to have a picnic or a church bazaar, let's do it because we like to have a picnic. We like to go out on an outing. We like to have a hamburger out with our friends and a cold drink together with them. Not because that's the way we're going to keep our church open. If that's the way that you're going to keep the church open, then time for you to rethink what you're all about. So that's the story for Transfiguration. Uh, Let's take a break right now. I'll share with you the song of the day, and then we will be back with another story. Unplugged. It's off of an album called Unplugged. 
And um, it's just the song I needed to play. No explanation today. Just I needed to play that. And I hope you enjoyed it. It's a lullaby, yes. It's a lullaby. Um, actually, good one to close your eyes to. I'll have a link on today's show notes. Armin Movsisian. No relation to me, but um, I wish it could be. But no, it's not there. But just a very, very popular singer with uh, music and words that stir the soul. Okay, we are back, and as I said, I would do something a little bit different for the second half. I'm going to share with you the story of Joseph and Mary's son. How about that? (laughs) You thought you heard it, and you're saying, what are we doing at Christmas? Hold on, hold on, just wait. Hold your horses. You know that if I've got something with a name like that, it's a little bit more than just a Christmas story. And um, it is something that is very personal to me. I wrote it several years ago. And the other day, as we were going through some of the material, I found this. And I realized that, you know, this is something I do want to share with my listeners because it is very profound. Let's see, the date on this, 2016, I wrote this on July 17th. And uh, that's coming up this weekend. And... I just need to share this because it is very personal, but I want you to know about it too. It appears on my Armadoxy page, armadoxy.blogspot.com. Kind of an interesting area, the the blogger page, because it belongs to Google, yet when you Google it, it doesn't show up. Very interesting, right? Something's off on their marketing there. Anyway, I don't think they need advice from this priest. I think Google does fine with their marketing. But let me share with you this story. It says, Joseph and Mary had a baby. He was my father. He was born on July 17th, 1932, to my grandparents, Joseph and Mary Mofsesian, in Marseille, France. This Jesus was named Jean. Both Joseph and Mary had loved before. They were both widowed during the Armenian Genocide, and aside from their spouses, they lost parents, siblings, and children, like so many other Armenians. They were exiled from their homes in Kharpert and Sirvihisar, and somehow, by the grace of God, they ended up in France, 1931 where they married and tried to bring some semblance of order to the chaos they had witnessed in the genocide. In that chaos, a new light, a new miracle, and a new hope, Jean became their salvation. After Jean's birth, Joseph journeyed across the pond to America. He set up life for his new family amidst the Great Depression, Bussing tables, stocking vending machines at a New York cafeteria. Mary and little son Jean met up with Joseph in 1937. 
At the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade that year, Jean sat atop his father's shoulders. Much like Jesus might have sat atop Joseph's shoulders in the carpentry shop, having a bird's eye view of all the creativity around him, allowing his little head to wander and formulate the metaphors about the magic of life. In 1943, with America fully engaged in World War II, the family moved to Los Angeles. It was here that Jean would grow up. Kids being kids, they made fun of his name. Jean is spelled like Jean. They said, Jean is a girl's name. Mary adopted an Armenian name for him, Varujan. Now, I'm not really sure how that change would have helped matters, but it did. Later on in life, he would go simply by John. Dad went to Virgil Junior High School, where he entered the orchestra. He taught himself the violin, and by age 17, he was actually offered a position in the Los Angeles Philharmonic. He graduated John Marshall High School in 1949 and continued his education at Los Angeles City College. He was a man of determination and had set his mind on being a medical professional. He was drafted and served as a medic in the U.S. Army during the Korean War. After the war, he married Anna and they started a family together in the heart of the City of Angels. Varujan went from LACC, Los Angeles City College, straight into pharmacy, USC Pharmacy School. They told him it couldn't be done, and that's all he needed to hear to make it happen. He graduated in 1960 with a PharmD, Doctor of Pharmacy degree. He was a miracle worker. He was a pharmacist by trade, a physician at heart, he mended and healed. He hammered and nailed. He built and rebuilt. He could fly through the air and dazzle people with his charm. He was Joseph and Mary's son. Dad passed away in 1991. He resurrected and is alive to this day in our memories and the stories we marvel at and repeat among ourselves. Though I knew these facts, it wasn't until I turned 60 that I realized that my dad came from divine stock. When I was growing up, I was influenced by a variety of people from different walks of life with an assortment of lifestyles, each flashing their own values. One of these influential men in my life was Harach. Though he claimed to be an atheist, he helped me become a priest. Harach's father was an Armenian writer, a prominent man, and well regarded within the local Los Angeles community and world community, I should say, because of his writing. Though I never read any of his articles, essays, or books, I heard about Alex and about the influence he had within the Armenian intellectual community. Because of him, I learned that an intellectual category of people existed. And, in fact, thinking about that, I would say that my conversations with his son, Haraj, 
fell into that intellectual category. Harach Kulujian passed away in 2009. A few months after his funeral, I received a box in the mail sent to me by his wife. It contained a plaster bust of Magradich Khrimian Heidig, a 19th century cleric of the Armenian Church. By this time, I had served in the Armenian Church for over 25 years. I knew the players and also had developed a love for certain figures throughout the history of the church. Magardich Kharimian Heidig certainly tops that list. He was the chief bishop of the Armenian church under Ottoman occupation. He led the people by preaching self-reliance and victory through inner strength of conscience and will. One of the first books I read in the Armenian language was Heidegg's Babu Tornig, literally means grandfather and grandson. His instructions on living a meaningful life were included in this book. In this essay, he calls for a connection, a permanent bond to the Armenian soil. I cherish this book and to this day refer to it for inspiration. Harach's wife wrapped the statuette along with a note. She wanted me to have this as a memory of him. It was Harach's, and now it was mine. It was made of plaster, hard and shiny. I examined it and noticed two bits of writing on the back of it. One was in ink. It was from the Venerable Catholicos Vazgen I, with a dedication and dated 1960. That particular year was the first time Catholicos of all Armenians ever had visited North America, and they had come as Vazgen the First. And so I figured he probably presented this bust to Haracha's father, Alex. If there is such a category as intellectual, then certainly Heidegg's statue belonged with that community. But it was the second notation on that statue that was of interest to me. It was engraved in the plaster before the putty had dried. It was the signature of the artist who constructed the bust. And below his name, there was a date. 17 July, 1932. This statuette is 91 years old today, the same age that the son of Joseph and Mary would have been on this very day. The son of Joseph and Mary was a miracle worker. He came into the world amidst chaos and taught us to believe and to have hope. He believed in self-reliance, not in a pompous and arrogant manner, nor with false pride. Rather, he understood that the knowledge of God meant knowledge of the self. And with a healthy knowledge of the self, one could be in tune with God. That is, one could be a son of God. It's a complex formula that he somehow lived in simple elegance. It's a formula that is built on dreams and dreaming. Perhaps it cannot be explained by words, but it works. Well, there you have it. I had to share that with you as a little personal one, but I hope you um, 
you take it for what it's worth, okay? It's, it happens to be my dad's birthday, July 17th. I always remember it from early childhood. We used to go out and get him these god-awful aftershaves that he'd pretend that he enjoyed. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping maybe he did. But um, we have so many beautiful memories of the birthdays that we did get to celebrate. In the last 30-plus uh, years, we've been without him, but certainly filled with a lot of memories. I wanted to share that story with you because, like I said in it, you know, it wasn't until I was 60 that I realized that, hey, he's the son of Joseph and Mary. Those are my grandparents' names. And um, and with that comes this opportunity to make an analogy, and I think a lot of people can do that when you when you really think about it. Um, who are the people that give us hope? Who are the people that, that that push us really to love? And basically, that's the Son of God, isn't it? What does he say? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I mean, you know, it's it just kind of like flows. And I thought this one did too. So I still have that statue. It's sitting here. And I look at it. It's an inspiration to me. But really, really what was wild about it was the date on it. That here, you know, 91 years ago, this statue was made. My, my dad was born. And <laughs> years later, almost 90 years later, the statue and the memory of my dad come together in this little um, little essay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the link on today's show notes. Do check it out because it does include pictures of my dad. And uh, when I said he flies through the air, you'll see a picture of him flying too. And uh, pictures of the statue and the notation on there. All right. Here's Susie to make her announcement. I'll be right back. Before getting back to the next step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to the next step with Father Vosgen. Well, thank you for that announcement. And thank you, all of you, for listening and uh, sharing your your thoughts with me, for the emails you send me, the texts, and the different messages that come our way. You can drop me a line at feedback at epostle.net. And speaking of which, epostle.net is now the mothership, and it contains all of our programming. And I invite you there, where you could find not only uh, this podcast, but daily podcasts. And of course, you can find them on all your podcatchers. But the newest one that's coming out is called The Basement Tapes with Susanna Bogosian. And I really, really 
want to hear from you. Let me know what you think of it. I think there's a talent that is being discovered at this moment. So I'd love to hear from you. Um, let's see. This uh, today is uh, is uh, Transfiguration. I hope wherever you are, you're going to have a very special one that the transfigured Lord appears in our lives to transfigure us, to get us to see the Christ light in our lives. And don't be too consumed with uh, with with Peter's tent, right? The main act is right there. Anyway, next Sunday I'll be at the let's see St. Gregory Armenian Church in Pasadena, and they are one of the few churches that has retained pre-COVID, um, or I should say COVID protocols, and they still have the cameras going too, so you can actually watch St. Gregory Pasadena or come in person. All right, that does it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed producing for you. We look forward to having you again next week, but in the meantime, do avail yourself to all the stuff that's at epostle.net. That's apostolic evangelism for an electronic and expanding universe. On behalf of my producer Susie and myself, this is Father Voskin, inviting you to join us again next week when we will take the next step. Stand by for disclaimer. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskullness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. The management and production crew Vpostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. Vpostle.net. Apostolic evangelism for an electronic and expanded universe. I forgot to ask you if uh, you're seeing the same sky as we are. Yeah, I'm seeing the same sky as you are. Uh, bye.